Hey, everybody. My name is Steve Walgum, and I am an alcoholic. Steve. My sobriety dates November 8, 1987. George Haley is my sponsor. And the Men's Blackprint Only Big Book Study in San Juan Capistrano is my home group. And I'm thrilled to be here tonight. I love the opening of the meeting. I want to welcome anybody who's new, dying with 30 days. You know, we all start out with day one. Everybody starts out with day one. And then we hope we get day two and we start building days. And as Jamie mentioned, the world record for sobriety is 24 hours. No matter how much time you get, I still count days. Because I heard it said, too many years, not enough days. And I ran into a guy at a meeting at NOI the other night, and he had 22 years. And he went out for 20 years. He crawled in that Monday night. He was destroyed, crushed, broke. He had 22 years. And then he's got nothing, zero. And then he destroyed his entire life. And he came back. Now he's an old guy. He's an old man. He's back. He's busted up, trying to get sober. 90 days, 90 days, right? When I got sober, you know, they said to me, Steve, this program works and yours doesn't. So why don't you try our program, right? Why don't you try your pro, you know, our program? I got sober in New York City, Manhattan. It's a broken down, losing, acting bartender, right? And it trashed my entire life by the age of 32. And I had no idea how it happened. Like I couldn't imagine how my life got so bad. That was not the plan. It was never the plan. And I had no idea I was an alcoholic and I had no idea that drinking a bottle of scotch a day was abnormal. <laughs> I like that we read chapter three tonight, right? It's the great obsession of every abnormal drinker that they could drink like a, a gentleman. I've never had that obsession. <laughs> I always wanted to get hammered when I drank. I never drank for one drink. What is the purpose of one drink? Nothing. And I learned why I drink in the doctor's opinion, right? The doctor's opinion. I drink for the effect produced by alcohol. I drink for the effect. If I didn't get the effect from alcohol, I wouldn't drink it, right? I had my first drunk, my first blackout when I was 12. I drank a bottle of Seagram 7. I had my last drunk, my last black blackout when I was 32 on a bottle of scotch. I was a scotch drinker, scotch on the rocks. Only two ice cubes, please, right? Don't dilute my scotch. And, uh, and I drank for the effect, and I drank hard all the time. I never drank to be social. I can be social. When I drink, I am less social, right? I think I'm more social, but people are like, whoa, back up, back up. But I, I only know how to go forward. I don't back up too good, right? And uh, so you come here, you destroy your entire life, you destroy your relationships, you have no idea, but I do know it's your fault. I have no claim to my destruction. And I learned in AA that I'm totally wrong about everything. <laughs> I love that. We have to let go of our old ideas as the result is nil until you let go absolutely of everything. Because Steve, your best drinking and your best thinking earned you your seat in AA. That's your best at 32. Your college degree, who gives a crap about that, right? The bartender in the bottle does not ask, show me your resume before I give you a drink. So whatever your resume is and you think it is, it doesn't matter, right? And I didn't know I was an alcoholic. And um, thank God I got into AA. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. It'll be the single best thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life because it's the only thing that's ever worked to make me whole inside and content with being Steve Wagler, right? Never was I happy with me. And I was really unhappy with you because you were the problem. 
You know, Bill says in his story, a price had to be paid to destruction itself. Well, I spent 32 years building the best self I could actually be, which burns down my entire life. And all my failure and all my success and all my brilliance earns me my seat in AA. And that's my best. Now what are you going to do, Steve? Why don't you try our program? I never heard of AA. I didn't go to rehab. I didn't have a doctor. I never got a DUI. never got arrested. I should have been arrested a hell of a lot of times. Right? Thank God I had a lot of yes. Because I drove in a blackout all the time. And I didn't kill that family of four that were reading the papers. You know, somebody just did that. And they're in prison for life. That easily could have been my reputation for the rest of my life. Drunk. In any state I went. You know, I grew up in New York City. I was blacking out. I was blacking out in New Jersey. I got a great job. They moved me to Savannah, Georgia. I was blacking out in Savannah, Georgia. And I'm only 23, just ramping up in my drinking, right? Only ramping up. And uh, so I get into AA. And they hand me a big book. Guy who got me in, I drank with a ton in Chicago, Barry. He's the guy that got me into AA. I had no idea we were going to AA the night we went to a meeting. He gave me a floor to sleep on in Hell's Kitchen, back when it was really Hell's Kitchen. It earned its reputation in those days. Now it's nice and fancy, a lot of money in there. But back then, you know, there was bars on every window, locks on every door. We had three locks on the door. Barry gave me a floor to sleep on. I was lost. I was broken. I had no idea what was wrong. Nor did I ever equate my drinking to any destruction in my life. Nor did I ever equate my attitude and outlook upon life as my problem. Life was my problem, right? And Bill puts it in his story. You know, I'd prove to the world I was somebody. And I was always out to prove myself as somebody, right? And I had to be better than you because I felt less than you. You know, you hear about, yeah, yeah, you know, grandiose ego, low self-esteem. I'm like... No self-esteem at all. Zero. Zero. But yet I put up a front and an image that I think you have to play this role to protect me from you. Because I know you will hurt me. Right? Led my whole life that way. And then that, by accident, I became bouncers and bars all through college. You know, and did all that kind of stuff. I'll be the tough guy, play that role. I'll get a degree in biology, play that role. I'll become a fireman and get that role. I'll be an actor for 10 years and do that role. All these roles did nothing to ever make me comfortable in my own skin. Only in Alcoholics Anonymous did I have a shot at getting comfortable in my own skin. You know, you told me I had a God hole. You got a God hole, Steve, right in the center of your body. And no matter what you put in there, no matter how much booze, no matter how many women you go out with, no matter how much money you make, no matter what you accomplish, you got a God hole. And you will always be unhappy. And you're always going to be trying to fix yourself because you're broke. You know you're broke, but you don't know how to fix it. And nothing on the outside fixes the inside. And then you tell me the only solution is God. <laughs> ah, you're crushing me with that. The only solution, Steve, is God. But the best definition I have for God is group of drunks. Right? Is that amazing that the word God, group of drunks? Because in AA, I get to hear the message from God through you. And as an alcoholic talking to another alcoholic, somehow you touch my heart, which nothing else ever touches me because I refuse to let anybody penetrate all my armor. But in AA, you, you get inside of me. You probe me with your truth. You talk to me about your drinking, your destruction, your failure, your unhappiness, and your successes, which mean nothing because it earned you your seat in AA, Steve. Your resume means nothing. Because you're a broken loser alcoholic with a God hole that cannot be filled with anything else but God. 
I grew up in a Lutheran church. Nothing wrong with the Lutheran church. I could not hear the message of God at all. At all. Thank God my sponsor said, God's not Lutheran. <laughs> right? I was sponsoring a guy, he's Catholic, right? He's the Catholic church. I said, good news is God's not Catholic. Right? I just got a phone call in the parking lot. I was sponsoring a guy, a Jewish guy from New York City who got, he's 25 years old, got sent out here by a, a rehab, right? He's in a rehab. I started sponsoring him. He just took nine, nine months. He gets reinstated back in college in Syracuse. He's on his way back. He's going to go to all the national parks, right? Something he's wanted to do his entire life. He's going to the national parks, and he calls me, just rolled into Denver. Said, Steve, I've just seen three great national parks. I love doing this, right? I said, how'd you get there? And he's like, I drove here. <laughs> I said, no, you got there because you got nine months in AA. That's how you got there, because you could never get there your entire life. But when I first met him, he said, you know, I'm Jewish. I hate rabbis. I hate my rabbi. I never listened to my rabbi. I said, it's a good thing. I'm not a rabbi. I said, don't worry about that. And God's not Jewish. Right? We're an Alcoholics Anonymous. And we have an all-encompassing, all-inclusive God. An all-encompassing, all-inclusive program that takes in everybody and anybody. And all you have to do is say, I I'd like to stop drinking. You may not even really want to stop drinking. I didn't come to AA to stop drinking. I didn't know I was an alcoholic. I came to stop hurting. If you could take away the pain I feel 24-7 for my entire life, if you can take away some of that, I'll stay. I'll stay. Drinking is not my real problem. I don't know that. And they said, we can take away your pain. We can give you a fabulous life. So here's your big book, Steve. And in the big book, Put your name inside the jacket. Steve Wagle, sobriety date, November 8th, 1987. Never cross that out, and you will have a fabulous life. Everybody I sponsor does that, right? Does that. You put your name in the book, your sobriety date in the book. You never cross it out, and then you do everything Alcoholics Anonymous asks you to do. And you will have a fabulous life 24-7, and all the pain will be gone, and it will not return. And if some new pain comes, because life can dish out some serious pain, you will know how to handle it. You will have a spiritual program of action. You will have an army of people in AA that will do anything for you, no matter what you ask, as long as it's legal, right? They'll do it. You make a phone call. Hey, Steve, I need you to go get this. I'll be there. Call up another guy in AA. Call up Jamie. Say, hey, Jamie, I'm speaking at this meeting. Can you do that? Oh, I'd love to do that. Hey, we're setting up a, a retreat, a men's retreat. I need a couple guys to volunteer. Volunteers line up. Hey, somebody got hammered. We need to go make a 12-step call. People show up. AA people show up for AA people more than any other thing in the world, I believe. Right? The most loving, caring people I've ever met are in Alcoholics Anonymous. And yet, as far as I can see, everybody came in a broken loser. That was selfish and self-centered in the extreme. Right? We heard it tonight in Chapter 3. I love that you read Chapter 3. A lot of meetings no longer do that. They do how it works, which is incredibly fabulous. But in chapter three, it gives it the solution for step one. It gives a good definition of step one in chapter three, which we read tonight. And I love that. I had to fully concede to my innermost self that I was an alcoholic. You cannot tell me I'm an alcoholic. You can't make me an alcoholic. You can't beat it into me or rip it out of me. Right? You're here in the fellowship a lot about surrender. Surrender. You'll never hear that from me. The word surrender is not in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. 
If you read the first 164 pages, you will not find the word surrender. Bill purposely left that out because he thought it was such a negative statement. If you read history in AA, you'll see Bill wrote that. The reason he didn't use that. But what does he use? I had to admit to my innermost self that I was an alcoholic, right? 100%, not maybe, not if or that. Well, I was able to, in my step process with a sponsor, admit to my innermost self that I was an alcoholic. That is the first step of recovery. And then you have to smash the delusion and use the word delusion, the next sentence. Delusion, that someday I may drink like regular normal people. I don't wanna drink like regular normal people, right? I like to be a regular normal people, but I'm not even that. <laughs> I like being what Alcoholics Anonymous is giving me to be and what God wants me to be. God wants me to be happy, successful, but overall, he wants me to be useful to the next alcoholic who suffers. AA gave me a primary purpose. I never had a primary purpose in life except to get what I want that I think that'll fix me, that'll make me happy. And usually it's at your expense because you're in my way, right? But AA gives me this primary purpose. Stay sober and help another alcoholic to achieve sobriety. Well, what's sobriety? Very misunderstood. Sobriety. I stop drinking does not equal sobriety. For Steve, welcome to stop drinking does not equal sobriety, right? They said, Steve, what do you get when you take the booze out of a drunken horse thief? I'm like, what? They go, a horse thief. And if you be a horse thief, you better change. Because the same guy that brought you into AA will be the same guy that takes you out of AA. I was like, who's that? Who's going to take me out? And they said, you. <laughs> You're going to take you out. The same guy that walked in with the same attitudes and outlook upon life, right? Isn't that like the promise? I'll have a whole new outlook upon life, which is what I needed. In the back of the book, in the spiritual experience, Appendix 2, right? What does it say? That I have to have a personality change sufficient to recover from alcoholism. Stop drinking does not do anything for me. Matter of fact, it makes it worse because now I've got nothing to wipe out my horrible life. I can't black out for my horrible life. So if you take booze out of me, I really got a problem. You got to replace it with something really friggin' good. <laughs> and that's Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's a God of my understanding, which I don't want. A gentleman said earlier, he hated God. I hated God my entire life from the age of seven. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but I hated God my entire life. There's no way I'll get a relationship with God. It is absolutely impossible for me to get a relationship with God. But yet Alcoholics Anonymous, the love, the beauty, the grace of Alcoholics Anonymous has proved me wrong about everything I ever thought in life. And thank God you did that. Otherwise that guy that walked in here would take me back out. I'm not the human being I was. The big book says we're reborn. It's common to say in AA now, oh, just be your better. What a bunch of crap. I don't wanna be my better, I was a monster. <laughs> I wanna be a different human being. I want to be the human being that God would have me be. Patient, tolerant, kind, kindness. Don't hear enough word about kindness, being kind to people. AA people are kind to AA people. Then they take that into their families and they're kind to their families. Then we take our AA message quietly into our jobs and we become great workers, workers among workers. I was never a worker among worker. I was always on the outside looking in because I never wanted you to get close enough to know how I felt about myself. So I had a facade that I kept up forever, right? And it was killing me. 
And I had no idea any of this existed. If it wasn't for the big book and a sponsor that walked me through the steps, I would have died a long time ago. I just turned 68, which blows my mind. <laughs> I wasn't going to live after 33. At 32, 33 was a stretch for me to get to, right? Then I turned 68. I'm like, how the hell did 35 years and nine months of AA go by so fast? I look back and it's gone so fast. My daughter's now 31. She's never seen me drink. She's never seen me put my fist through the wall. She's never seen me angry. And we don't curse in my house. And I have a wife that will be married to for 37 years. And I'll be 36 years sober in, October, in November, November 8th. I say that with total confidence. Because my big book talks about permanent sobriety. It talks about having permanent sobriety over and over and over in the big book. Right. So after you put your name in there, Steve, and you put in your sobriety date, you start studying that book. The first italicized line in the forward to the big book says to show precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. I used to sit in meetings and have a speaker go up and a guy would say, yeah, my name's Mike and I got 10 years and I have no idea how this program works. And I would want to scream, sit down. If you don't know how this works for 10 years, sit down and get somebody up here that knows how this program works. Because I'm dying, and I will die. As a matter of fact, dying is better than living because I hate being alive. So I need answers and solutions. So after we find out, Steve the alcoholic, in the doctor's opinion, I drink for the effect. And I have this mental obsession so strong that no amount of willpower I have, and I have massive willpower. I have more willpower now in sobriety than I've ever had in my entire life. Because after all, God gave his brains to use when you read in chapter 10. God has given me willpower. The trouble was I misused my willpower. God's given me all these instincts to live by, but I misused them. And that's why I was being crushed by a self-imposed condition that I could not get rid of. Because I did not understand how life worked. I did not understand how I worked. I had no idea how I got so screwed up. But as Bill says, a price had to be paid to destruction itself. Steve, you need to be destroyed crushed, gone, out the door. We need a whole new Steve to come in here. We need a sober Steve to come in here that understands the steps, that hits his knees and prays. And when I got a sponsor, the only time I ever asked why in my entire life in AA, by the way, there is no chapter into the big book into why, right? There's a solution, there's how it works, there's working with others, there's more about alcoholism, but it doesn't say into why. So I asked the guy, he said, you gotta get a sponsor. First, like, what's a sponsor? What is a sponsor? Well, some guy you call. I said, I don't call guys. I don't call guys. Men are useless. I do not call men. He said, well, you're going to have to get a guy to sponsor you. Oh, just stick a dagger in my heart between God, don't drink, and get a sponsor, some guy I got to call. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> you're killing me in my first 90 days, right? Gary does not become my sponsor, the guy that got me to my first group of meetings who gave me a floor to sleep on. And, uh, and the, this was a destroyed place. Diary did not have a palace. He had a, a dungeon. And the walls had stapled up all purple sheets because there were so many cracks and holes in the walls. And when you turn the lights out, things would move behind the sheets, right? There were mice in there and there were roaches in there. This is Hell's Kitchen when it was ugly. And um, so now I'm progressing. I, I get a sponsor, Roger Quinn, my first sponsor. And I called up Roger. I never met him, but I asked the guy to sponsor me. He says, I have too many sponsees. I can't sponsor you. 
I was crushed. It took so much courage to ask this man to sponsor me. And he can't do it, Steve. But call this guy Roger Quinn. I'm like, who the hell is Roger Quinn? I never met him. I said, call him. He's waiting for your call. I eventually called Roger Quinn. And he goes, oh, Steve, been waiting for your call. Good to hear from you. And I'm thinking, you're lying. You don't want to hear from me. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> so I start this relationship with Roger Quinn, my first sponsor. He takes me through all the steps, right? Thank God. Now, if you look at step one carefully, right, we admitted that we're powerless over alcohol. We admitted we're powerless over alcohol. That means I cannot stay away from the first drink. I cannot stay away from the first drink. And I've never been able to do that since the age of 12. All through high school, all through college, all through sports, all through businesses, all through everything. I can't stay away from the first drink. I don't have the power to do that. Right? Then there's a space. You can look at the steps carefully. It's the only one that has a dash. We admit it with powerless over alcohol. Dash. And that our lives have become unmanageable. Why is there a dash? Why is there a space? No other step has that. Because it's telling me. I am powerless over alcohol, dash, and my life has become unmanageable with or without alcohol. You take the booze out of me, I'm a drunken hostie. My life is totally still unmanageable. I'm living on all the old ideas I developed for 32 years before getting here. They're killing me, they're crushing me, they're ruining everything, right? There's a dash. So once you pull the booze out of me, I'm a sober hostie, but I'm not sober. My definition for sober is having had a spiritual awakening. As a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to the alcoholic who still suffers. The spiritual awakening message is what I carry to the alcoholic who still suffers. Because if he or she doesn't get that message, they're going to drink again or use whatever the drug of choice you want. <laughs> that will happen again. There's no amount of willpower. And we all have a ton of willpower. I never met an alcoholic that didn't have massive willpower. Right? No amount of my willpower can stop me from picking up that first drink. Drink's that far away. No matter how much time I have in this program, a drink is that far away. And I have zero desire to pick it up. And I know it's poison, I don't want it. Never do I struggle with drinking. So if you go to chapter two, right? About, and it says in there in the first paragraph, nearly always, and they talk about Bill, nearly ever, and talk about the first 100, nearly always just as alcoholic as Bill. And then the next sentence, they solve the drink problem. See, my drink problem's been solved. Dash. I stopped drinking. But I got a living problem. And my life had become unmanageable with or without drinking. So now I'm not drinking, but my life's totally unmanageable. The rest of the steps are designed. All the steps are designed to accomplish two things. That I stop drinking permanently. Permanently. Nothing. I drink nothing. There's no near beer. There's no cooking with wine. There's no getting tiramisu cake. I was at a at a meeting, a book study I started. The guy was taking a birthday, and when we celebrate birthdays, right? There's a book study of eight, ten guys, and the guy brings the cake, and I said, "What kind of cake is that? <laughs> what kind of cake is that?" He goes, "I don't know." I said, "Smell that cake." He said, "It smells like that rum on there or something on there, right?" He says, "Well, I think it's tiramisu." I said, "Tiramisu? They have booze in the tiramisu cake, and 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 Mike is going to take two years." And I'm a sponsor, and I get 15 years. And you guys get eight, nine, six years, and two years. We got a new coming here. You're really going to serve tiramisu cake in our book study? And I'm like, well, it burns off in the cooking, doesn't it? I pick up the cake, I throw it in the trash can, put the lid on. 
right? That's how serious I am about not drinking, right? I don't cook with booze. If it's on the menu, I don't order it. It burns off. Bullshit. See, the problem centers in the mind. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. You go to meetings, lots of meetings like I do, and there are people that are quote unquote not drinking in those meetings that are quote unquote stone cold sober and then they go out and drink that night. You go out and drink that night, right? The main problem centers in the mind. So the mind has to be very carefully watched. So if I think I can have a near beer, that's for near alcoholics, by the way, right? <laughs> near alcoholics, near beer. Well, I can have some kind of wine that doesn't have a lot of percentage of booze in it. Or I can drink mouthwash that has booze in it. I've heard of people going out on scope, right? Truly. I've known a couple of women go out on vanilla extract, right? Harbor meeting, many years ago, a woman went out on that, started using vanilla extract. Then she started cooking with booze. She's gone. So anyway, zero. It tells me zero booze in my life. And... Um, but now I'm not drinking. Now I got all these living problems. The rest of the steps come in. Then I got a real problem with step two. I got to come to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Well, my drinking is insane. My lifestyle is insane, but I can't quite buy it. But by going through the steps of the sponsor, you can see the choices you're making, Steve, are destroying you and hurting everybody you love. That's what I love about AA. There's so many things I love about AA. AA will never hurt you or the people you love. Think about that. AA will never hurt you or the people you love. Unconditional love, Alcoholics Anonymous, right? But booze will hurt you and everybody you love. Which way do you want to live, Steve? Which way do you want to live? I choose AA all the time over everything, right? Step two, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. How am I going to get this power? That's the rest of the steps to help me find my way, to navigate, to dismantle my character defects. My character defects are standing in the way of the sun, sunlight of the spirit, we know. But all my character defects stand in the way of my relationship with you. With all of you, my character defects keep you away. <clears throat> so I've got to eliminate, reduce, eliminate, reduce my character defects. Otherwise, I will go back to drinking sooner or later because I'll need the effect because I'll hate the way I feel, because I got a God hole, and I got Kyra the Defects running my life. Kyra the Defects no longer run my life at all. But once in a while, you stub your toe, right? Then you do a 10 step, continue to take personal inventory, and went wrong, prompted a minute. And by the way, you call up your sponsor and say, hey, I did this and I shouldn't have done that. Now I gotta go make amends. And you stay in the process of the steps to keep my house clean, right? Almost every text I send to a person in the program, I tag it off with TCW. Trust God, clean house, work with others. TCW, right? The magic formula of Alcoholics Anonymous. To keep me from drinking, but to keep me happy and usefully whole. If you go to the forward in um, the 12 and 12, it has a great definition of Alcoholics Anonymous. So you got to read the forwards as well. Bill put so much information in the forwards. That's where he writes, to show precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. But in the forward in the 12 and 12, third paragraph, it'll say, Alcoholics Anonymous is a group, or AA is a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which if practiced as a way of life, can expel, that means eliminate, can expel the compulsion and drink, enable the sufferer, me and you, 
to live happily and usefully whole. Isn't that what we really want? A happy, usefully whole life? That's the promise of Alcoholics Anonymous for everybody that walks in this door. So after I, I do 90 days, 90 meetings in 90 days, I'm working my steps with my sponsor. An old time, he says to me, and he may have, maybe had five years, an old time about, right? He said to me, you know, Steve, you've been here for 90 days. I see you in three meetings a day. I know you're doing the book with Roger and blah, 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 blah. You're doing all that stuff. I know you're hitting your knees and praying, although you don't believe. Act as if. Just keep hitting your knees. In the morning, ask God to keep you sober. Hit an AA meeting. Talk to an alcoholic. Hit your knees at the end of the night and say, thank you, God. That's the only prayer you got to do, Steve. And that's how I started praying. Not believing at all. But I desperately didn't want to feel the way I felt for the first 32 years of my life. And I've never had to feel that way ever again once I got through the steps and progressed through the steps. And a God of my understanding came. First, it was definitely a group of drums. I get to hear the music, the language of God in AA. And I get to pick the pieces that really resonate and implement them in my life. It's not just reading, Steve. It's not just a reading exercise. You go through the big book, a paragraph at a time, a sentence at a time. There's so much information there on how you can conduct your life to be a better human being and help another human being, right? So really dissect that. Become a student of the book. It tells us to do that. This is a textbook, 10 minutes. Oh, that's quick. I only got 10 minutes. And um, so now I'm working on my steps. I'm going to meetings. I get a service commitment. They say, if you don't get a service commitment, you don't stay. All right, I need a service commitment. The first one I had was cleaning ashtrays back when they used to smoke like crazy in AA. I never smoked, but I needed a commitment to stay. That's what they told me. So now I'm cleaning ashtrays. I have a home group. They say get a home group and become accountable and get a service commitment there. Serve the group because you've been a taker your whole life. And if Steve, if you don't go from being a taker and what's in it for me to being a giver, you will never be happy. It's the givers in AA that are happy. As a matter of fact, it's the givers in life that are happy people. So I went from being non-spiritual, hating God, to being spiritual and loving God, a God of my understanding. I went from being a taker and getter, what's in it for me, and I got to beat you before you beat me, and I will hurt you before you hurt me, as to saying, how can I serve you? What can I do for you? Expecting nothing in return. Nothing in return. It's not a quid pro quo. It's not, I do this for you and do that for me, right? No, no, no. I do this for you, and you don't ever have to do anything for me, but I'll do it for you again. That's unconditional love that this program taught me. That's what the program has given me for 35 years and nine months. Relentless love, relentless caring. And I got cancer really, really bad, you know, five years ago. Twice, both are deadly cancers. I got people praying for me and I got all this surgery I go through, all this radiation, all this chemo, all this stuff. I wasn't worried for one second, not one second, because I had a prayer with God. I said, God, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving my daughter. I'm not leaving my family. I'm not leaving AA. There's more guys that want to sponsor God. I'm not going. And I knew I wasn't going. You know, and I had a bunch of guys praying. And it was just an incredible experience, right? Unbelievable. But I said, wow, the power of AA is so ingrained in me now. I love it so much. You know, got a drink? My wife has a drink, a glass of wine, maybe every night. She never has two. <laughs> that's abnormal drinking, right? <laughs> Never has two. And it doesn't bother me at all, at all, right? Because she's not an alcoholic and she's a great human being. 
And thank God I'm married to her. Right? That's another whole story. God was working in my life to keep that together. That's for sure. Right? So if you're new here, do what we do. And what we do is Alcoholics Anonymous and the big book in the 12 and 12. Immerse yourself in that. And you will find the answers to all the problems of your life. All the things that hurt inside of you will get fixed through Alcoholics Anonymous, through your sponsor, through the friends, through your network. And I got a network of guys that I would do anything for. Not I know would do anything for me. Right. And, and the comfort in that is I'm not alone anymore. I was alone my entire life. I had a family, but I was alone. I had friends, but I was alone. At 22, Tommy Conley, my best friend forever, was sitting down. The sun's coming up. We're hammered, right? And he looks at me and goes, Wadlam, I have no idea who the F you are or what makes you tick. That hurt me. I did not say that. I said, well, why should you? I don't have a clue. Shut up and drink. Just shut up and drink. Right? I am lost. I'm a lost human being, and I have no idea how I got lost, and I have no idea how to fix me, and I've tried everything humanly possible with all my willpower, with all my determination, and I earned my seat in AA. Thank God for you, because you take me in at my worst, at my worst. I wouldn't sit with you in the beginning. You allowed me to walk in the back, and I'd pace in the back, right? And I wouldn't sit down, and I wouldn't identify as a newcomer. I'm not identifying. I'm not saying my name. I'm an alcoholic and I'm pacing in the back. They just leave me pacing the back. And then, you know, they go up and say, hello, I wouldn't shake your hand. You dare not hug me. I was not a hugger. <laughs> my first nickname in AA was Angry Steve, right? Angry Steve for about two years. And I took two years and Barry's girlfriend, Eileen, says to me, Steve, don't take this wrong. But nobody thought you would stay sober. That hurt my feelings, but I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, Eileen, why would you say that? It was after a meeting up on the 79th Street workshop on the Upper East Side in, in, in Manhattan. I said, why would you say that? She says, well, when you came in, Steve, you're the angriest human being we ever met. <laughs> See, I used to be proud of that anger. I was proud of that image I had. I thought that's what made me a man. I thought those were character assets. And everything I thought was a character asset in my personality was a character defect. Thank God for the steps. Thank God we get into step four. But prior to step four, I got to do step three. I got to make a decision. A decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Key word, Steve. Care of God. You're going to turn your will and your life over to the care of God. Why? Because you've destroyed it with your own take on life. And you're going to ask God to take care of you. Care. God will take care of you if you let him. God will eliminate or reduce your character defects, but you have to let go of them. God will not rip your character defects out of your hands. He will let you suffer relentlessly with your character defects. It's called free will. It's the way God lets her operate. So I need to align my will with God's will. I need to align my thinking with God's thinking. How would God have me conduct my life? We cease fighting everything and everyone. That's a big one, Steve. You've been a fighter your entire life and it's destroyed you. So we just stop fighting and arguing. You say yes, no, and thank you. Please, you learn manners, you know, and you clean up your act. But how? Through the steps. We get into our inventories. 
And for, you know, the beauty of an inventory is you cut, if you come in like me, you're absolutely lost. You have no idea what the hell went wrong, how anything got as crazy as it got. And you do your inventory and you get to meet the real you for the first time, right? You get to see that on paper. It's like, wow, that's how I've been living. That's why it's insane for me to be living that way. I can see the insanity of my life in my fourth step. But in the fifth step, it has a great promise. It says, I had to share this with another human being if I was to live long or happily in the fifth step. I have to share my fifth step with somebody. It's my sponsor, of course. I'm not going to share it with anybody else. If I am to live long or happily, isn't that what I want? I want to live long and happily. I got to get all this crap out of me. And then I got to change in six and seven, the changing steps. I have to take six and seven, become willing to change me. And then it says back, in the spiritual experience, a personality change sufficient to recover from alcoholism is what's required. I have recovered from alcoholism. I have no desire to drink. I haven't had it in over 35 years, right? Not a problem, right? Then life becomes the problem. Then I've got to change and go from a non-spiritual person to a spiritual person. I have to go from a taker to a giver. And the journey is not hard. It's just simply through the steps. All the steps are designed to eliminate drinking. I'm no longer powerless over drinking. I have tremendous power over drinking. I never pick it up. Right? And it says it in the chapter to the agnostics. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find the power by which we could live. It doesn't say stop drinking, which we could live. Right? The big book talks about power 66 times. Over and over and over. It doesn't talk about powerless, but I think more than twice. And only in step one is the word powerless in there in step one. The rest of this program is designed to give me power that I've never had. And how to conduct my life in accordance with the way God would have me live, right? So we get tremendous power in this program. I get to use my character assets because I no longer live on character defects. God gave us brains to use. It says it in the big book. Yet people will tell you, yeah, I'm 12 years sober. I have no idea how it happened. My brain is still out to get me. I'm like, by God, take the steps. How do you live with a head that's ripping you apart 24-7? Right? We're our own worst enemy. That's no longer true. I have one minute left. <laughs> you can tell I can talk a long time. Right? I love this program. I love everything you've done for me. I just love it. It's the best life I'll ever, ever have. And it's all Alcoholics Anonymous. A guy asked me, Steve, what's your opinion? And don't give me this AA crap. What's your opinion? I was Big Joe back in New York. I said, Joe, my opinion kills me. It's killing me. You don't want my opinion. You want to know what I know about the big book and what page to find it on. Like 90 in the 12 and 12. There's a spiritual axiom that every time I am disturbed, there is something wrong with me, not you. Right? Look within, Steve, with God, the power of AA, the steps dissect your life, rebuild your life, get a whole new life, because the one you had sucks. <laughs> guy told me, he said, Steve, your personality sucks. You need a new one. And he was right. And he was right. So thank you all for being here. Thank you all for being part of my sobriety. I'll see you in other meetings. I love Alcoholics Anonymous. If you're new here and want to punch me in the face, I get it. I hated the happy people in AA. I couldn't stand that. I'm a grateful alcoholic. I want to choke you. How would you be grateful? I am a grateful alcoholic because it's the single best thing that ever happened to me in my life and my family. I got a daughter who's 31 years old. We're planning this big extravagant wedding. 
I mean, what a fabulous life. And I have a dog that loves me. <laughs> Thanks for my sobriety. <laughs>